Welcome back to the HR Happy Hour Show with Steve and Trish. Trish, our guest today, if I'm remembering correctly, has a background in anthropology. I believe you're correct. Yes. And, and, and once we introduce our guests, we'll know why we're very familiar with her. But here's my question today, Trish, then based on that, what is your favorite ology? We have a lot of ologies to choose from, right? There's I, psychology. That's an interesting sociology, question that I did not anticipate. Let me tell you. I epidemiology. Do. A lot of people are talking about that one right now. They what's, are. What's your, what's your top ology? This is so easy. Mine is sociology because that's what my major was in. I kind of knew you were going to answer about that. that. <laughs> I did know that about you. I thought that would be your answer, but I thought maybe you'd go off, off the board, maybe mix it up oh. a little bit. No, I found that I, you know, I think it was one of those things where my parents were sort of like, why are you majoring in that? Um, the study of why and how people in groups interact is fascinating to me. And so yeah. it remains fascinating today. And I still even do some sociological reading and- um, So since you so. brought that up, and I'm going to tell you my favorite ology in a second, but since you brought up reading, Trish, my all-time favorite book I read in college, right, as, as part of my college um, experience, mm -hmm. was one of the books I had to read in my sociology 101 class. And I'll never forget the book. Oh. Maybe you're familiar with it. Maybe our guest is too. The book is called something like Cows, Pigs, Witches, and something else the riddles of culture and it was all about really different um uh, ethnicities and different peoples around the world and certain practices that they had and it was really trying to understand them cows pigs witches and something else i'm forgetting the name of it now but it's, it's a great book maybe my guest knows it our guest knows it but Trish, i'm going with i'm going with ornithology what is that, that is oh, i the, love ornithology there you go <laughs> cecile chiming in from the back row Trish, you would love this too because i know you are a bird person you love oh, birds. Love you have a lot of bird uh, things around you. Ornithology is the study of birds. I like birds too. So that's oh, the one I like. And, and, and by the way, Steve, it was cows, pigs, wars, and witches. Cows, pigs, wars, and witches. Okay, oh. let's, now we need to introduce our guest who's chimed in <laughs> now with the, with the correct answer. <laughs> our guest today, first of all, I'm, I'm remiss. This is the Workplace Movie Hall of Fame, Trish. This is our, <laughs> can you tell I'm so pumped up? I'm like, I'm skipping the lead. I'm getting right to the action, but this is on my favorite <laughs> podcast that we do. And this is, this is the Workplace Movie Hall of Fame. We're going to be talking about the movie Everest. And we have invited to uh, join us, our first ever guest on Workplace Movie Hall of Fame. That's right. Friend of the show, Cecile Alper LaRue, Vice President, Products and Innovation at Ultimate Software. Frequent guest. So glad to have her back. Cecile, welcome back to the HR Happy Hour Show. How are you, you today? Thank you so much. I'm, I'm, I'm honored. And I, I have to say that thinking about joining you um, on this particular topic uh, was is is so so far from our current reality um, that it allowed me to sort of travel to faraway lands in my head, which was actually kind of a, a welcome break. Yeah, um, and, and, so, and, and so get to maybe to share some of those experiences as well. We specifically invited you, Cecile, to talk about this movie Everest because your experience in tall mountains, right? Yep. Very famous <laughs> climb quite Everest. <laughs> Kilimanjaro uh, a yep. couple of years ago, which we're going to talk about some as well. But so right. welcome back to the show. And Trish, I think you had a special announcement to make as well about Cecile. I do. Cecile with this appearance has now again regra regained her crown as the <laughs> queen. So honored. That's right. She is the <laughs> queen of all of HR Happy Hour because she has the most appearances and Steve, there is a special prize coming Cecile's way. Can you uh, let her know what that is? 
Cecile, for frequent guests of the show, and we're a little late in getting this to you because we believe this is your seventh appearance on the show. It could even maybe be eight, but the five-time guests receive a, st- a set of steak knives. That is the prize. And <gasps> so uh, look for that in the mail uh, soon. Super exciting. Thank you so, so much. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how that fits in with the cows, pigs, wars, and witches, but yeah, you know, steak knives I love that book, handy with some of those. And, and you know what? Um, yes, I studied anthropology, so that was one of them. I also studied archaeology, but I honestly think that biology remains one of pretty Ooh. much my favorite ology. It's, it's pretty simple, it's basic, it's accessible, and yet it's how we live. Um, it's all about that. So anyhow, yeah. not that you asked, I thought I would just throw it in there. No, I wanted you to. Archaeology is <laughs> a good one too. I'm glad that got a mention anyway. Yeah. I, Stones I'm glad, and bones. I'm glad it got an honorable mention. And yeah, uh, sure. yeah there's so many great ologies. I, I did a quick, when I thought of the question, I did a quick Google search and there, there was a number of ologies out there I, I'm completely unfamiliar <laughs> with, but Certainly. Including numerology, which is probably not my favorite at all. Yeah. Oh, no, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> that's scary. Um, I love it. Yeah. Um, okay. So we want to talk about, uh, for fans who have not maybe, or newer fans of the show, Trish, there's always new people joining the HR Happier Show. I got an email from a, from a listener in Ireland just the other day saying, hey, I'm new to the show. It's awesome. This, you know, it's my, ne- my new favorite podcast. So we're getting new oh, listeners cool. all the time. So Workplace Movie Hall of Fame is where we take a movie, usually a f- reasonably well-known movie, and break it down a little bit and talk about some of the themes and try to relate that back to some of the things that we find in the workplace that are reflected in the movie, whether it's team building, leadership, organizational structure, kind of setting goals and achieving them, whatever the case may be, depends on the movie. And we selected the movie Everest. So a little background on this movie. Uh, this movie came out in 2015, and it's basically the story uh, of an ill-fated uh, expedition to Mount Everest in 1996, where uh, a number of uh, climbers and even really experienced climbers ran into some real trouble uh, trying to reach the summit of Everest in May of 2016, 1996, excuse me, and some of them didn't make it back, uh, was turned into a very, very popular book by uh, an author called John Krakauer, who was a member of one of the Everest expeditions. And he wrote a book in 1996 called Into Thin Air, which seemed to me anyway to be, a, it's not credited in the movie, but it's, it seemed to me like a huge part of the source material for the movie anyway. The, the movie's pretty true to the book. Uh, the movie starred Jason Clark, Thomas Wright, Josh Brolin, Jake Gyllenhaal, Michael Kelly, who played the Krakauer character. And one last thing about this movie, I'd like to set some context. This movie was a pretty big hit, Trish. I, don't, I didn't realize it was as popular uh, as it was. It did $203 million, uh, in the box office, which is pretty wow. solid. And $159 million of that was outside the United States. This, this movie played all over the world and, and was super popular. And, you know, it tells the tale of these two expeditions, one led by a New Zealander named Rob Hall and another one led by an American, Scott Fisher, who were trying to get their teams where they're, they're, and their paid clients uh, up to the summit of Everest and back down. Terrible storm hits the mountain. Adventures, difficulty, strife, tragedy, sadly, coming back down the mountain, et cetera. So, you know, we're not going to tell the whole story of the climb, et cetera, but if you've, if you've obviously you've seen the movie, you know it or are familiar with the book. And there were a number, last thing I'll say on this uh, in preamble is there were a number of books written about this expedition from several of the climbers who did make it back. And there, as, as, as always, these kinds of things, there's definitely some conflicting reports about some of the key uh, events in the movie and kind of who maybe didn't do as much as they could have maybe to help the others and who did. But 
the, the, the Krakauer book seems to be the, the one most people accept is pretty authoritative on the subject and again serves the, the basis uh, for most of this movie. So that's the preamble. Trish, uh, I'm going to stop talking because I'm like, I need a sip of Dr. Pepper, but I mean, maybe share your thoughts a little bit on the movie and we'll, we'll talk to Cecile about it now. You know what? It was an interesting choice, and sometimes we uh, argue and bicker a little bit over what we're, you know, <laughs> what we're going to watch. And 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 th in thinking about just people's behavior and how that ties to maybe work and the way that we, you know, contribute um, to each other's relationships at work and and now even during pandemic times, working remote, how that adds an, an added layer of complexity to it. So actually, I thought it was first of all, I had not seen the movie, so it was very fun to watch. Um, who doesn't love a lot of those, you know, actors, they're, they're in a lot of other things. So I, I was excited going into it. Um, I have to admit, prior to watching it, I really, I've never been, um, you know, in many mountains, on mountains. I've been through the Smoky Mountains when I was a child. So I really didn't have a good frame of reference. And so I think when I watched the movie, I will just say I started out with maybe not a solid appreciation of the physical um, difficulties and not a good understanding of why they were doing some of the things they were doing. But um, actually, I'm currently in Colorado where I've spent a few days in Vail actually hiking. Um, I accidentally wound up on one of the difficult hikes, which was not what I intended whatsoever. So being up at about 11 or 12,000 feet wow. was challenging just walking, I have to say and took many breaks and so that right there i started thinking like okay this is a whole different it's a whole different perspective on kind of work relationships and human relationships when you're then taxed with um things like altitude and of course in the case of everest um, you know extreme temperatures and whatnot but then uh just two days ago i visited pike's peak which is the um, highest summit on the southern front of the rocky mountains and that's it 14,115 feet. And it's just absolutely unbelievable. So I think the fact that Everest being so much taller than that, again, just trying to imagine and put myself in the shoes of the, you know, the, um, the climbers was unreal. So anyway, for what that's worth, I think, you know, and also that's why we wanted Cecile to come on the show because as an experienced mountain climber, for real, not like accidentally, like like I became the other day, um, I think that it, it will be really interesting to talk about not just some of the challenges we have in working relationships um, and you know some of the very good things that happen that bring out the best in people, but how are those impacted whenever you add in the physicality, the altitude and all of the weather and other elements of unknown. So Cecile, I would love for you maybe to just talk a little bit about your background and you know, and then we can maybe dig in on the movie a little bit, but can you maybe yeah. tell the audience a little bit about just your experience with climbing and I yeah, know you've absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. And, and what's, what's interesting, Trish, and, and I mean, honestly, you, um, you give me far too much credit. I, I will in five minutes basically give the background. So I, I have done a lot of hiking and climbing, but actually climbing you know, the seven summits and looking into what's involved in, um, you know, the, 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 these are the tallest summits on, on the different continents. Um, and, and a lot of people have sort of chased after the seven summits for, for, for many, many years. And um, what, what's interesting is a, a few years ago, I, I think I mentioned, I was an anthropologist. I, I studied anthropology and archaeology. 
And um, one of my dreams had always been to go to Machu Picchu, which is, there's a pass that's about 13,500. Um, so not, not terribly, terribly difficult, but it's about a four, to do the actual Inca Trail is a four day hike. So um, did that with my husband and a couple of friends who had never ever been camping before mm -hmm. and thought, at the end and made it. Um, and it was, it was tough. Um, I got sick on the way up. Um, and a lot of people think that Machu Picchu is, is a, is a mountain that you climb, but it's actually down in a valley. And so it's the difficult, the difficulty is on the second day when you're going over this pass, this 13,000 foot pass, because it goes up pretty abruptly. You have one day to go, to go from sort of, you know, um, I think it's probably around 9,000 all the way up to, to 13, 1350 or so. It's called Dead Woman's Pass, which never bodes Ooh. well. Oh but um, but go, going and getting through that um, immediately afterwards, I was like, that, like, what's next? And, you know, my, my friend said, I don't know, what, what is next? And I said, Kilimanjaro. Oh um, so the next year we started planning and I had not trained for that properly, which was a mistake. I think getting sick and everything else, it was really tough. Um, and since then I've done Machu Picchu a second time with a group of 24 women actually from, from ultimate, um, and yeah. ended up with a few people who were in distress and, and I had to help carry somebody, wow. um, partially over the pass and on to safety because you don't think about, 13, 14,000 feet actually getting, you know, um, hape or haste or, you know, all the altitude sicknesses, but you really do. So when we did Kilimanjaro, I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to train. Um, and in Florida, where you're at sea level, it's really difficult to train, um, <laughs> to be honest with you. You can, you know, you can try to increase your, 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 um, your ability, your, your oxygen retention, et cetera, your VO2, um, health, et cetera. But it, but it was really, really um, a, an interesting challenge. Nothing, though, could have prepared, uh, could have prepared us. So, um, and and we had some of the toughest circumstances and the and and weather that um, had happened. So we actually summited March sixth, um, and we started at eleven thirty p.m. at night after having climbed and acclimatized for six days mm -hmm. um so that's no showers no you know you you we, we had people carrying food and cooking for us so it is sort of glamping in that sense like the tents were up all we had to do was essentially walk mm -hmm. um and carry and carry our our packs for the day um but a snow we we actually had two freak snowstorms during that time and one of them hit on the day that we summited um mm -hmm. and people actually got turned away and I think you realize, so, so Trish, just like you realized, um, you recognize as you see people starting to come down the hill, it's almost like a funeral march up in the dark uh, because you have to start in the middle of the night to be able to make it by sunrise. So you're actually climbing up in the coldest and darkest part of the night. Um, and so you can see the headlamps of individuals and different, different groups that have started out a little bit earlier. Um, or who may be working, walking faster. Um, but there's this incredibly somber sort of uh, experience as you watch. And then you start seeing people who are suffering um, altitude sickness coming down. And again, Kilimanjaro is 19,000. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're talking Everest, which is 27,000. Uh, yeah, it's like 29, Cecile. 29. Okay, yeah. so, so yeah. 10,000 more. And by the way, um, it literally is a question of step breathe, step, 
breathe for hours and hours as you go up and waves of nausea hit you even at 18, 19,000 feet. Yeah. So you get hit by waves of nausea as you're trying to slowly go up one step at a time. So it's, it's the hardest thing physically I've ever done in my life. And at that point, I realized, you know what? I don't think <laughs> Everest is in the cards <laughs> for me because that was really, really difficult. And some people are like, oh, Kilimanjaro, it's a walk in the park. I'm like, I don't, I don't think it's quite a walk in the park. There are a lot of people um, who actually, you know, about 50 anywhere between 35 and 50% um, of the people who try to summit make it. So I don't consider that uh, totally easy. It was, it was wonderful that all four of us um, made it who were, who were doing the, the climb. Yeah. Um, but it, it was the hardest thing physically I've ever done. And it made me think a lot about, um, you know, sort of taking it back to the, the whole, I mean, snow is falling. I, I kept thinking, you know, I wonder if, this is happening at night so that we can't see like what's what's on the other side of the the the, the sheerness of the mountain um you know and and what was fascinating about it is just the the silence um and it makes me think about how communication um is so so crucial understanding communication and trust even without words um is is kind of what makes difficult thing, make, makes the, the, the most difficult things possible, I think. Um, there were a lot of sort of glances. There was a lot of communication just by looking at each other. Um, mm -hmm. One of, one of our, 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 um, our climbing mates sort of looked back at me at one point and, and I could tell she was looking at me like, are you going to quit? Because if you quit, I'll quit. And she was like, she's younger than me. So by far, my <laughs> husband and I were like at almost 20 years on our or 15 to 20 years on our, on our climbing buddies. But um, it was fascinating. And I, and I sort of just looked away because I'm like, I, I, I just don't, you know, I don't quit. So don't look at me for that. Um, and then it, it just that whole, the, the communication was something that was fascinating as well as just the the, the physical difficulty of it um, in the cold. I've never been that cold in my life. You know, no matter how much you try, your two sets of gloves, six six layers on top, four layers on the bottom, it didn't matter. You were still freezing um, at three in the morning, and then seeing the sunrise and sort of knowing that you would make it, even if you had another hour or two to go, was was really remarkable. Cecile, that thank you for resetting that whole story, which is a great, yeah. great story. And it's remarkably similar in, in elements of it, certainly in process, certainly, and some of the, the difficulties you encounter to what we see in this movie, to be honest yeah. with you. Okay, sure, yeah. it's another 10,000 feet up, but that doesn't even yeah. really matter, right? Yeah. And, and I guess the first thing I'd maybe want to touch on that sort of ties back to the movie a little bit, and, and, and Cecile, your experiences as well on these tall mountains is, there's some tension in this movie and on the actual climb, and it's certainly in the book too, about hey, are we a team here trying to do this? Or are we a bunch of individuals who, when push comes to shove, right, I want to stand on top of Mount Everest and be a hero and come back and tell the world that I did it. And I think that leads to definitely some, um, some conflict on the mountain and potentially some bad decisions too. Uh, I don't know, that's not really even a question though, but the, I think we see this in workplaces too where, yeah, we're all sort of working on the same team, but 
you know, there's always some inherent conflict as well. And some people say conflict is good in organizations, right? And a competition maybe even is good in organizations. But when it goes too far, like it did in this Everest climb, some bad things can happen uh, as a result, I think. Yeah, and, and I think that, again, is where communication and acknowledgement of the reality of the challenge before you in a, in, a, in a team meeting is really, really important in the same way, because we did have those discussions. So, and, and I remember saying, look, if I can't do this, I want you to go ahead. And yeah. everyone's like, nope, we do this together or we don't do it. And I said, that's, that's silly, you know, you, you guys should go. They're like, nope, we do this together. And that was the agreement that we came to. And then at one point, even talking with our guides who truly became a family, our guides and the, and the porters that, that brought our tents and the food and everything, they become your family. Um, and you would be shocked to know how many people, um, there were four of us and we had 14 people with us. Wow. And only, only three summited with us because the rest of the individuals you know, they, they don't and they go back early um, because it's actually, it is still difficult. So it was the guide, the assistant guide, and then one other, um, one other porter that summited with us. But we had to agree at a certain point. And I remember at one point when um, one of, one of the, the, the members of our team who had had a bit of a harder time with, um, with the altitude, at one point um, I looked and I said, is it safe or not? Um, and we had reached the, the summit and we could have gone a little further up to get a different view, but the snow was coming down so quickly that you couldn't. And we saw they basically were they turned every group away from reaching the other side of the, of the crater, um, essentially. And so, or, or there, you know, there are sort of two different points and there's a difference of a few hundred feet, you know, and it was just like, you, you can't go any further and you can't see anything. Um, and you can see like ice sort of vertical, <laughs> or snow that's sort of stuck on the sign vertically. <laughs> so you know that the wind was howling. Um, we had about, you know, maybe a minute to, to three minutes at the top after all that time. And it took <laughs> 16 hours. Um, it took a total of 16 to 20 hours. It was seven or eight hours. And it ended up taking us nine hours because of the snow all the way up. And then we had to turn back down and go even further down than how we had come up in the snow and ice and everything. So it was, it was intense. But a lot of that is the, is the communication. And I also think that um, what's really interesting is, is acknowledging um, how, how far people are willing to go when there are difficult situations. So, so having pre-conversations before, uh, before a, a, an ongoing challenge, and that could be, you know, people talk about not wanting to have the meeting after the meeting, but sometimes you need the meeting before the meeting <laughs> to, <laughs> to actually get, get, in, get aligned on how far are we willing to go with this? Um, because that's the kind of, because you're absolutely right, misunderstanding happens when um, you aren't on the same page. Yeah. It seems and, like so many of the of the lessons that you were experiencing real time on the mountain, too, with everything that was being thrown at you, would just apply to the, your everyday efforts with your team. I mean, you mentioned that you you did it again with some of your team members from yeah. Ultimate. Can you maybe talk a little bit about just how that translated then once you once you go through an achievement like that, um, once you you know, sort of yeah. pushed past every obstacle that's thrown at you. I was just looking at a chart here, for example, and it's saying that um, on Kilimanjaro, you know, at the top, you only have 50% lung capacity at best. Yeah, absolutely. So 
you're, you're really physically just, you're tapped out, I would imagine. How did that translate then? You whether become it's delirious. Or the second, yeah, like how does yeah. that work? When you, you actually get- become delirious. And what happens is if you are able, then you really tune in to other, other people. And so I could see um, one of, one of, you know, one of our climbing buddies who was just like, sort of seemed kind of like he was joking and having a great time and everything, but was also super exhausted, just like laying down and, and then realizing, you know what, I think he may be, he might have a little bit of brain fog right now. Um, and so I'm going to get him up and keep moving. And you could see people who were literally foaming, <laughs> like their mouths, um, they, they were not well, that were being helped down the mountain. Um, and so you sort of have to be, if you can, whoever is able has to be looking out for other people. And you're hyper attuned to what is needed and when you're going too far. Because again, on the way up, I did pull our guide aside and I, I said, is, is, is this okay? Because I, I was relatively okay uh, because I had been able to eat and stay strong the whole six days up to it, uh, up to the summit push. And, um, at, and at one point, a lot of teams and a lot of people said, it's not worth it anymore. We got a bunch of our, 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 our crew actually got snow blindness because they didn't have good sunglasses when a freak snowstorm hit two days before. So everything was coated in white. So you sort of figure out, is our team well enough to even do this? Mm-hmm. And do we just let go of the dream and, and, and you're okay with that? And we were all pretty reasonable about it. Um, but there are a lot of people who pushed through, got sick, ended up being taken off the mountain. Um, and, and, you know, helicopters can't get you there. You basically have to be rushed, carried down the mountain. Um, and they have like this, <laughs> at, the, at the bottom, you can see um, on the way down, you can see like this, this whole litter of, car- of these sort of carts where they run people down who get sick. Mm-hmm. So it's, there, there's just the, the reality of that. Um, and I think you, you learn to recognize, I think, your, your own strengths and your abilities. I think one of the things that, that it taught me personally, and I've, I know that this is shared by, by the other um, folks who are climbing with us, is that you truly feel that, you know what, nothing is that hard. I got through that. I can do pretty much anything. <laughs> nothing is at work is going to be that much of a challenge. And so it gives you a different perspective than you normally get, um, you know, and, and it, it's interesting because that whole decision-making process of should we do this? Because it is risky. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and you never know if you're going to be somebody who gets really sick from altitude or not. And if you are and you push it too hard, you, you can get hurt. Um, but it's, it's, it's interesting because I, I felt like at a certain point in your life, and for, for, for me and for my, my husband, our kids are, are, are grown. They were almost done with college. One of them was out of college. And it's like, when do you have really hard things that are thrown at you um, after a certain point? So sometimes you have to seek those mountains and some of those challenges. And that's kind of, because I'm not necessarily a thrill seeker, but that sense of accomplishment gave me a certain level of confidence physically that I, in myself that I had not had before. Um, that you kind of take back in everything that you do, which allowed me to say, you know what, I could help lead um, a, a group of, of less experienced women to do. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't Kilimanjaro, it was Machu Picchu in that case, which was um, four days, but it does give you sort of just a, a sense of, I can do some pretty hard things 
Um, and it, and it, it does change your perspective, I think, which yeah. is, which is why people do it. Honestly. Cecile and Trish, let's take a quick break. I, we do need yeah. to thank our sponsors, Trish. We can't let them, uh, let them go without oh. acknowledgement, of course. No. Absolutely. So this episode of the HR Happy Hour is made possible by WorkHuman, now introducing a mood tracker, which is a free modern voice of the employee tool built by data scientists, making it fast, easy, actionable to get to the heart of organizational issues. You can learn more at workhuman.com slash mood tracker. And Steve, why don't you thank our other sponsor? Yes, we are also made possible by our friends at Paychex, one of the leading providers of HR, payroll, retirement, and insurance solutions for businesses of all sizes. Paycheck also hosts their own podcasts that our audience may find interesting, including the HR Leadership Series, providing insights around the latest trends in our profession, and it features a variety of expert guests and influencers, including Trish and myself, who are on the show. The Business Series features conversations with business owners and Paychex experts around the issues of the day, including the challenges business are currently facing during the pandemic. You can listen and subscribe at paychecks.com slash podcast or look for them on your favorite podcast platform. Many, many things. Trash, if I do the mood tracker today, it's going to be rough. So if you see those results, just I'm <laughs> warning you, if that mood tracker update comes in today, going to be rough just for the record. But um, oh, no. <laughs> I had one more. I had another thing I took from the movie. I made extensive movie notes. So I want to fire one more out to you guys to see on okay. the as well. I think there's a huge leadership kind of thing going on in this movie from a couple of different angles, right? So we're really, this movie is largely the story of the team lead, Rob Hall and his team, including the, the author, Cracker, who wrote the book, is on that team. And, and a lot of the tragedy surrounds that team. And a couple of things really stood out to me, one of which is I'm not sure he did a good enough job at communicating the real goal, the true goal to the team, which wasn't get to the top of Everest, right? It was get down in one piece and hopefully alive, right? That's probably the, the more appropriate goal. That's arguable, but I, and then secondly was he kind of made some mistakes too, sadly, right? And, and it didn't turn out well for him. And the main one, Cecile, you talked about leaving in the middle of the night to, yeah. to, to, to summit in, in the early morning or, or midday so you could get down in time as well. Yeah. And that's the same Everest plan, right? They leave it about midnight and they, in the movie and in the book, they said they had a 2 p.m. turnaround. If you didn't get to the top by 2 p.m., you're turning around and I'm going to force everybody to turn around. And we learn, I'm not going to spoil the whole movie, but we learn in the movie that's not exactly what happened. And some of that blame fell to, to, to the leader. And so, like, this leader did make some mistakes as well. So, I don't know, I'd love for you, anybody just to, what's your kind of take on some of the leadership lessons that we can take from either this movie and this experience or, 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 or Cecile, certainly your experiences on these big mountains? Yeah, I don't know, Trish, did you want to say anything first or? No, you go right ahead. I think your, your stories are obviously more, more aligned with. I, the, the one thing I will say, I mean, I think that um, what I like about what you just said, Steve, is just that, you know, leaders are human too. And yeah, that's the point mistakes. I was trying to make, I think. Yeah, We do make mistakes and we can't always, you know, we, we sometimes have plans and, and then we change them. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And so I think there's, you know, to me, when I was watching that movie, or even just thinking about the the little hike I did, you know, earlier in, um, or at the end of last week, I should say, um, it's so important to have those people around you who are also like, you know, in my case where it was m m me and my daughter, 
you would think I'm the leader. Well, not really. You know, she stepped up and became the leader because she was more fit and she was, you know, she's pretty tough, Trish. I do. She is very tough. She's a tough (laughs) athlete. I tell you what. And, um, but she was my cheerleader and she was my guide and she just quickly took over the reins. And so I think my point being that, um, I'd love to hear Cecile's perspective on this, but you know, you might start out thinking that uh, someone is a leader because they have a title or maybe they're older or maybe they have been doing something longer, but it's, it's really learning to rely on other people in the party who might have skills that are different, might be a little less experienced, but the, the approach they take might be far more innovative and you can achieve maybe more by relying on some of those people to step up in a leadership type role yeah. that you might not normally expect. But Cecile, obviously, whether it's from, again, a work perspective or just the perspective of your, yeah. your climbing mates, um, yeah. how did that play out yeah. for you? I, I, I think um, you, uh, you're absolutely right. And this is uh, honestly in the, in the movie and in some of the situations that we've seen at Everest to be, and, and this is such a great lesson to take back to the workplace, is there is so much that individuals will commercially invest. So, so just from their, their own finances. To, to climb Everest is very, very expensive, much more expensive than Kilimanjaro, which is already considerably more expensive, for example, just the, the, the travel and the amount of time and the guides and everything than climbing, uh, than, than doing uh, Machu Picchu or, you know, or, or some other hike that like, you can self-guide. When you have to have a guide, it's different. So I think that sometimes if we think just about the financial <laughs> impact, um, we can take a wrong path and we can be clouded. Our, our judgment can be clouded by some of those things. And I, I do think, and I know Trish, you, you know this um, from, from me, I, I harp on it all the time, but we can't forget the, the human aspects and the human risks mm-hmm. of sometimes focusing more on the commercial impacts of, of, or, or, of what might happen. So, you know, again, that, that agreement up front and, and trusting um, who your leaders are and being able to shift. So one of the, one of the climbers who was younger than me, who was like, had run a marathon and I was like, all right, well, clearly she's going to be running up ahead. Um, and, and she and her husband will be running up ahead. It'll be no problem. But it, it, it ended up that, um, that, you know, the, the, the slower and steady older folks, <laughs> that would be me and my husband, um, ended up, faring really, really um, pretty consistently well in that, in that area. Um, I mean, we, again, we all made it, so it was, so it was great, but you sort of um, kind of have to shift and look around, but we would never have made it if we had not trusted in our leader who gave us chances. And, and he, he presented us with the choices. He said, you know, it's snowing. If you don't want to go, some people will stay back. It's okay, and we were like, "No, nope, we're we're gonna we're gonna do it." Um, but again, it was it was a discussion uh, rather than just a, this is what we're this is what's happening. And by the way, if we had not made it by nine a.m. to the mor- in in the morning, because we had to go down sixteen miles after even further than what we had gone. Um, than, than where we started, then we would not have, we would have had to turn around. And so we, and we barely made it. We were supposed to be up there at 7 a.m. and we, and leaving at 11 and we got in um, at nine. My goodness. And so we turned around. So we knew that there was a turnaround time, but it's so easy when you're like, oh, well, it's just this much closer. It's this much closer. But when you think about it, all we kept thinking of is, yeah, but we have twice the distance down than we went up. 
And so keeping that in perspective and knowing how tired and how much worse off you are after a lot, a lot of people think it's like, woohoo, I made it to the top. It's all cakewalk, <laughs> you know, and you're, you're like, no, it's, it's, all, it's, it's a lot harder. In fact, in some cases on, on your knees, on your legs, on your limbs. And, and by then everything was snow coated and we were at some points we're just like, you know what, I'm, it's easier to just go down on my behind. I'm going to slide down. It was, it was really interesting. Um, but, but the leadership is something that I think in, in difficult situations becomes very fluid and it's about who keeps their head on and is looking out for others that becomes the leader. And so our, our guide was very much our, our, our leader because he was always talking to us about, you doing okay? And he would sort of look. And he knew that some people, like, he couldn't look at because he would just help lift her up and go because, you know, of, of, of how things were going. Um, and then, but he would sort of be like, okay, voice of reason over there. And how about you? What do you, how are you doing? But it was all this unspoken communication and caring for each other that, um, that I think kept it, kept it going and kept, and made sure that the outcome in, in the end was was a, a positive one because uh, it could have gone really, really poorly. Yeah, and, and that's a great tie back to this movie too and to, into what happened in the story on Everest and Seals because really the tragedy as it unfolds, as you see it, is, is largely a result of a couple of those things you talked about breaking down, right? The leadership uh, kind of breaks down. The two leaders specifically of the two expeditions are in some of the worst trouble, especially uh, right. one of them named Scott Fisher gets in really, really bad physical trouble and becomes essentially unable to perform his duties as, as an expedition leader. And then kind of it, there's a little feel of every person for themselves that breaks out, right? Yeah. You know, and, and again, I'm not Can judging. It you're 29,000 feet in the air. You can't think straight. <laughs> yeah. You can't breathe. There's no air. You're dying up there, right? And so uh, it, it's, it's certainly an impossible situation. But those two elements are really what conspire. And then some really bad luck, right? The, the storm yeah. comes in at the worst time yep. and, and, and really causes havoc uh, as well. So it was really, it is a tragedy, but certainly the, the leadership lessons and the teamwork lessons and the, hey, we're all in this together lessons. I think that to me is why we thought this movie was a good one to talk about on the show. Yeah, I I, th I think so. And what's what's interesting is we could have felt like we um, missed out because we didn't get to go around to the other side, you know. And we could have pushed through everyone we saw who tried to do that. And even three hours later, people who were able to walk more quickly and get back down safely, or were going to a, a, a higher base camp, back to a higher base camp they were actually able to see there's there's you know the, the snows of Kilimanjaro there are still some some glaciers the snow was just too thick at the time that we were there so you sort of just are like hey this is good we made it up here I'm standing up top I'm good we're good Not, let's 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 move on then because it's um it would have been another hour just to slowly make our way around because of the the, the slipperiness and and that was one of those things so sometimes you're like this is this is a victory this is enough. And I probably won't go back um, just because it's, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but, but again, it's, it's the, it's the idea that you can do something and you rely so fully, you, you do put your, your, your life in the hands of other people. Um, but it's kind of exhilarating to do that also. Right. Um, so, but again, it's the communication, um, whether it's spoken or not, it's, it's caring for each other. And it's also thinking through consequences. Um, it shows one of those great leadership qualities.
qualities, which is leaders have to be flexible and they have to plan. Um, you don't stick to a plan though, because sticking to a plan shows a lack of flexibility. So <laughs> just, just the act of planning means that you're thinking through what might happen. And, and those are the kinds of things that, um, that have stayed with me actually. You know, I think too, the other things that, that really struck a chord as you were just talking about your experiences and in watching the movie, both, it was, it's that importance of the pace yeah. that you're setting as a group and that you're keeping to that. And especially when you're talking about the turnaround time, knowing that as a leader in your work scenario, that you are willing to have that end point, right? And that it's not about just, Steve, to your point, when you talked about it's not just getting to the top of the mountain. It's also the climb back down. It's the whole journey. Right. You know, and sometimes I think as leaders, we forget, especially maybe it's, you know, maybe we're thinking about, okay, the, the goal is to land this client or it's to, you know, no, it's also about all of the work that comes after that. Right. Or if it's, you know, Cecile, in your case, where it's designing a new product or, you know, something like yeah. that, it's like, well, that's to get to that point is fantastic. But then it's all the things that come after that, right? Then, then actually getting people to use it and, and not just use it, but actually, you know, um, see really good results in, in their businesses from using it, right? So it's like, I just feel like sometimes we get really hung up on sort of those little short-term goals and we don't really appreciate all of the work and, and having a slower, more steady pace is sometimes better than rushing um, just to get to that first goal, to that first point. You're absolutely right, Trish. And then synthesizing, synthesizing what all these things might mean, synthesizing <laughs> these different variables that come into play. Like COVID has changed our lives um, for good. And all of a sudden you're like, does this actually make sense right now? Is this really what we should be building right now? You know, <laughs> and, and, and you have to think about what does it actually mean for people? Yeah. Um, for the whole broader team, the population, the ecosystem that we serve and support. Um, so it, it is, it is, uh, those kinds of lessons, those challenges are always incredibly, um, meaningful if you take the time. And I think that's the other thing about doing, about going out and being in nature and climbing and doing something like that is it gives you time to think. And I think in our day to day, and especially in this, in this new environment, we're often back to back to back to back with meeting after meeting, after meeting, after meeting, and you don't have time to actually think. Right. And I think that's a really, that's something that we all have to remember. Yeah. The, the, the value of the disconnection, we didn't, we could, that's a whole nother show, but <laughs> it's certainly one worth, worth doing. Uh, yeah. But you're right. Absolutely agree with that. Even in, in small ways, like, you know, after we're done here, it's midday or so where I'm at, you yeah. know, I'm going out for a jog in the heat. I'm going to do it. And, yeah. and it's just going to get me away for like 30 minutes. And, and, and uh, that's I'm how you prepare that. for your next mountain. Right. So hey, um, one of the rules, Cecile, as, as a newcomer to Workplace Movie Hall of Fame, one of the rules of Workplace Movie Hall of Fame is the podcast can't be longer than the actual movie. That's just a rule I set up. <laughs> so I think it makes sense to wrap up here. I, this is a fantastic movie. And uh, but also through some of the stories Cecile told and shared her experiences and Trish as well, you know, climbing and hiking and being up really, really high in the mountains and getting a taste of that as well. I mean, I think we really see like this, this, it doesn't seem on the surface when we were talking about it. I'm like, oh, is this really about the workplace? A bunch of people climbing a mountain? I think it really is. Maybe even more so than some of the other movies we've done, Trish. Like this is really, this hits teamwork and goal setting and leadership and commitment and just so many things that are important in our work lives. Yeah, I agree. Challenging ourselves too. I think, you know, Cecile, you made some really great points that I know I'll take away. I hope our listeners take away about, you know, 
sometimes you, you mentioned seeking out those challenges. When we get to a certain age, you know, you have to really look, look in interesting places maybe to find what will help you just for the remainder of our lives. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, all right, Cecile, thank you so much. Seven-time guest, eight-time <laughs> guest, whatever, 35-time guest on the show. I don't thank know. You. I, 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 hope, I hope it does get that get to be that. And thank you so much for letting me talk about um, this experience because it was definitely a formative one for me. And you don't always get those once you, once you hit your 50s. You're kind of like, well, I don't oh, know. Great, great stop. story. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. So thank you. All right. You. Well, thank you, Cecile. You. Stay yep. well. Be well. Uh, Trish, you too. Enjoy the rest of your time off. Uh, I want to thank Paychecks and Work Human, of course. Thank you very much for supporting the show. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show. We will see you next time, and bye for now. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.